Welcome to NASA Storytellers, an ongoing informational podcast presented by the National Association of State Approving Agencies. You will hear the stories of the men and women who are charged with protecting and safeguarding the integrity of the GI Bill. In each episode, listeners will hear from different NASA members who will share the details of their personal journeys and what makes them so committed to the cause of protecting the GI Bill. Learn how their efforts have benefited so many people. Episode 2, A Conversation with Ruth Jackson Braxton of the Mississippi State Approving Agency. Your interviewer is Mike Criscolo of the Connecticut State Approving Agency. Jackson. Are you good? Mm-hmm. All right. Braxton. And um, my dad was in the military all of my life. And it was it was interesting. And, you know, the transition sometimes was a tad bit difficult mm-hmm. because um, we moved around a lot. So we didn't get a chance to, you know, stay grounded and rooted when it came to friends and family, you know, when you're young, mm-hmm. you you look for a connection mm-hmm. and that kind of helps you out, you know, through your young years. Mm-hmm. But being a military brat, I never could just get a connection, you know, with friends because once you started liking somebody, as far as just friends go, um, we had to leave. And, right. And the household sometimes could be a bit rigid because him being military, we had to hold up a certain standard, mm-hmm. you know, within the family. Um, you you couldn't just do everything that you thought other children, you know, could do. Like for instance, when we cleaned up, he would actually put on a white glove and swipe the furniture and look at it to see if we dusted properly, you know. So um, sort of like you were part of the military we as well. We were part of the military. <clears throat> How many siblings? It was three of us mm-hmm. and I was the youngest. <clears throat> and so uh, did you find support within your siblings when you were making all these moves from base to base, state to state? Yes, because we were all we had. Mm-hmm. And they were the most constant faces, you know, in my growing years. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I couldn't get used to, you know, every, like now in a normal family, every sibling would have their own group of friends. And you basically kept that group throughout your formative years. Mm-hmm. But when you're a military family, <clears throat> the only group of friends that you would see constantly would be your brothers and sisters. Right. So yeah, we, hard to make connections. Right? It's hard to Long make connections. Lasting. Very, it was yeah. very hard because I'm a connective type. My personality is such that I don't meet strangers, and I, my sister and brother were like, you know, if if we have friends, okay, so it doesn't matter. They didn't readily approach people. But I had my dad's personality, and so I made connections really quick. If we stayed a week, I guarantee you I had to connect a friend. Oh, you know, so it was a little harder for me than it was for them. Right. Mm-hmm. So when your father separated from service, at what point in, in your life were you out of high school or were you 
Well, college or when I was in the eleventh grade, my dad was stationed in um, Monterey, California, and up until that time, we had been. They kind of kept him back in Mississippi because he was a recruiter, mm -hmm. and he they sent him to Hart to recruit places because of his personality. He can go amongst them and they readily like it. So for him to go to Monterey, you know, they had a lot of Hispanics and different other, uh, you know, nationalities and people liked him anyway, you know, so they sent him there. He was ready to pack us up. And at that point, I had stayed a little bit too long in Mississippi and my mom wasn't willing to relocate me anymore. And because my sister and brothers were out of the house. Right. So that was different, you know, not having him. And then when I got in the 12th grade and I graduated in May, he retired in August, okay. my 12th grade year. And you know, I felt like I was being cheated because now I'm getting ready to go off to college and he's able to stay at home now. You know, and I felt a little cheated. Did you feel that he had a difficult time in transitioning into civilian life from so many years of being in the military? I did, but he said he did not, but I watched his habits. He was always clean cut and everything, and for years he wouldn't shave, and you know, he just almost looked thrown away, and he, he, he did not, to me, he didn't transition mm -hmm. well, you know, and then he got to the point where he got rebellious, you know, uh, for instance, in the military, they tell you when to spit and what to hit and how long to make it wet. Well, with my dad, <clears throat> something simple as paying utility bills. Simple, you think. He would wait until they send him a disconnect notice on purpose because he was saying he's not gonna let anybody else tell him what to do and when to do it. and. I thought that that was just, you know, an outward display of him not really transitioning well. And, you know, either you you try to stay rigid with a, a set program or you may go way away from that and get rebellious. And I think that's what he did. He was always rebellious. So he went through a rebellious period after he separated. What were some, some people or, or members of the community or organizations that helped him maybe get from that point to where he had a civilian career and? My dad did not even, when he retired, he retired. He retired at an mm -hmm. early age because he made his rank really quick. He didn't even get another career. He did not. He retired and he did go to college. Mm -hmm. Now they had the, you know, they had the GI Bill out there and he went to college. Mm -hmm. um, but even with that, because he's so sociable, he just went to college to socialize. Mm -hmm. You know, he he took up some classes and he just went to college to socialize. Other than that, I don't think they even had, well, this was in the 80s, mm -hmm. early 80s. I'm telling, my, I'm telling my age right now. Mm -hmm. But he they didn't have a lot of things in place to help these soldiers transition like they have now, all these support groups and Yellow Ribbon, for instance, really helps families transition when, they're, when they've been um, 
uh, called to overseas duty, you know, you've been deployed, they help the families who stay behind, then they help the uh, soldiers who, to integrate back into society, they didn't really have that. Right. You know, uh, other than maybe, maybe church, if you're, you know, in church, you know, people in church, they have this need, which is true, but I'm just saying they have a need to, you know, want to pray with you and, you know, maybe, you know, come over and just talk with you and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of programs that they have now, they didn't have that, right. you know, before. And society back then looked at them as being shell-shocked, you know, they, they're just not the same. And, you know, they went out to the military and they're, now they come back and, you know, altered their personality and it probably did but they're not crazy you know they look at a lot of vets as being crazy they didn't have and you know i don't even think that employment opportunities were there um for military retirees you know in the early 80s not really mm -hmm. now they're asking people if you've been in the military they want to hire you right out because they know you have a certain discipline right so we have the negative perceptions. It sounds like your father, very independent, was yeah, able to right. transition just through his personality and, mm -hmm. and be successful in you know, the next phase of his life. If you had an opportunity to talk to dependents or a spouse of a military um, uh, uh, person that was about to separate, what would you give them for advice on, on you know, how to help in the next step in their parents' life or mm -hmm. their spouse's life in that transition period? Well, um, now, because of so many support groups, I would have, number one, the dependents to go to a support group, if for nothing else but to be educated on the things that their parents mm -hmm. may, may have gone through in the military so they can understand you know, because understanding is a big part of communication and it's a big part of you understanding me so you can, even though you may not agree with it, you can accept what I'm going through and maybe help me through the process and then I can understand you and do the same. You know, when you understand something, you're not afraid of it. Um, I would have the dependence to do that because you have to grow up fast. And you know, when you're a dependent, that means, you know, a lot of times you want what you want, you don't understand what the person is over you, you don't understand them. And so, you know, you have a lot of complaints and, and with children, they act out. But if they understand what's happening, then maybe they can make that transition just a little bit better. You know, love conquers a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And when you start loving on somebody and just being quiet to understand what they're going through, then the person that's going through it, they, they, it calms that rage and see, you know, and you say, okay, somebody really gets me, you know, and then that helps them to see that they may need help themselves. I would, especially for a spouse and and the uh, military person, you know, to when they come out, I think that they should mandate that they do so many weeks of counseling. Mm -hmm. You know, don't leave it up to them because, you know, if, if 
if I'm an alcoholic, I don't think I'm an alcoholic. There's nothing wrong with me. There may be something wrong with you. You know, so most people don't seek help when it's something wrong. But if you seek help in the front end, maybe you won't get to that wrong end. You know, seek help right now when everybody's, you know, just happy to be home. And, you know, everybody wants their home to be nice. But you don't understand that what's in you sets the tone for your home, especially if you're the head of the household. Yeah. And you set that tone. I don't care if if it's a female, say, you know, sometimes you know how we are. You want to make the female happy. But at the end of the day, if the head of the house is just something's not right, your household is it's, it's like you having a two-headed, a two-headed monster just doesn't look right. If you see somebody coming here with two heads, we're all of you scared. You know, mm-hmm. so if you get that head right, mm-hmm. then everything else will follow All suit. Line, yeah. Right. So I'm thinking that it's a very good idea when they first come out off deployment or retire to, uh, you know, go to counseling, find out how to be integrated. Because if you've been in there 20 plus years, you know, and you don't know civilian life, you don't really keep up with it other than what your spouse is telling you. You know, and, and it's yada, 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 I miss you too, honey, and you hang up. Now you're here with me and you get to see the other side of the mountain. And I just think that we need to seek counseling and make sure that families are okay. And not just, we're glad you're home, thanks for your service. And when you go home, they not all right. Right. Well, that's a fantastic message. Love conquers all. Yes, I love does. your perspective and appreciate the advice. Thank so you. thanks for the time. Thanks for You've been listening to the NASA Storytellers Podcast, production of National Association of State Approving Agencies. For more information, please visit NASAA-VETSEducation.com. NASA Storytellers, their stories, our stories. Thanks for listening.